Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 1. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here. One stone upon another that will not be thrown down and as he sent and as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple Peter James and John and Andrew asked him privately tell us when will we see these things and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished and Jesus began to say to them see that no one leads you astray on down in verse 9 but be on guard For they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Then on down in verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains on down in verse 23 but be on guard I have told you all things beforehand and on down in verse 32 of chapter 13 but concerning that day or that hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father be on guard keep awake for you do not know when the time will come it is like a man going on a journey When he leaves home and puts his servant in charge, each with his work, and he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is the word of the Lord. And you guys can grab a seat. My name is Brad, I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Hill City Church. And hey, before we get started, just a couple of things I want to knock out. Obviously, it is a holiday weekend. I love the 4th of July. I hope you guys are planning on having a great time. Fireworks, all the stuff, cook some great food. Um, I love it. So I know a lot of people started early. That's okay. We're going to be all right. Here's more importantly what I want to bring to your attention. Right now, today, we have 21 middle schoolers who are at camp. Um, here they are. Yep, they headed out So, and, and with their leaders. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray for them because this is their last full day. They'll be back tomorrow. So here's what I want you to do. Just stand back up for me if you don't mind. Uh, and, uh, and this is just if you're visiting, we kind of do this kind of thing at Hill City. And, and if, if it's awkward to you, then don't worry about joining us. But otherwise, just join us. Here's what we're going to do. Just kind of raise your hand toward all of our middle schoolers. We're going to pray over them and their last full day that God would do a work in them. So God, we... We love you. Thank you, uh, God, for, for, for all these middle schoolers, and thank you for what they're experiencing now. Lord, we're asking that your spirit would, uh, would, would continue to work in their lives as they are there today on their last full day of camp. Bring them back home to us safely, uh, God, and may they just share what you've done in their hearts. Uh, 
God, and as far as what we're diving into today, we thank you for your word. Um, God, open our eyes that we can see awesome things from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for that. You guys can grab a seat. So, man, so many of us in our lives, we have like big moments ahead of us, right? And we, we love looking to the future. It's part of what we do. So maybe it's weddings. There are, listen, we got a lot of rings on fingers here, and that's awesome, and you're looking forward to that. Uh, some of you, it's summertime. You're like, man, I am ready to go on a vacation. So you're looking to the future of a vacation, and you're really excited about it. Uh, some of you are about to have a baby, um, I think we've had about 11 babies born in the last four days at this church. So, I mean, they're everywhere and it's incredible and there are more to come. But like we're looking forward to the future. Some of you, we have like seniors, you're going to go to college in the fall and you are looking forward to that. We are fixated upon the future. It's okay. It's part of that. One of the six basic human needs is uncertainty. There's, it's good to have some uncertainty. In our lives, we actually need that. So that is why we, we enjoy looking to the future and we get excited about the future. And here we are in Mark chapter 13. And oh man, they're like, there's some future stuff here. We're going to jump into it, but probably not like you might think, and that's okay. So, but by way of review, we are, we've been in the Gospel of Mark since January. Jesus is going somewhere. He's always been headed there immediately. It's an action-packed gospel, and here we are in the last week of his life. And he has encountered public controversy after public controversy. And guess what? All that public controversy, it's over and we are now in a bridge passage that takes us from all that public controversy and his enemies trying to get him. And, and this is a bridge passage between all that and then his suffering. So just to give you some more, more context, so Mark is, is pointing us to future things here. And just ahead of Jesus is, is, is his cup, the cup that he will drink for us. And what this brings uh, to, to, our, to our table this morning is, is the idea of eschatology. Eschatology being the study of end times. Now listen, you all know this. People get crazy about this stuff. Okay? We all have probably one of those in our family. You know what I mean? Like this is what all they want to talk about. Um, and, and like we've all even watched TV shows. Like you got these doomsday preppers and they've got like six barrels of just that water food that'll feed them for six years. And if that's you, I'm not trying to offend you. Okay. Well, listen, here, as we talk through, and not just today, but even in future conversations around eschatology and how it's all going to, hey, listen, we're not going to be people that frame all this with fear. What we're going to do here at Hill City is we're going to be people who frame all this in hope. Because that, that, is, that is the right way to frame this. Now, I don't title sermons. Okay, it's Mark chapter 13. But for today, if I were to title a sermon, here it is. I don't know how this is going to end. And then there's a subtitle to the sermon. And you don't either. And that's just the reality. 
okay? I, I can grab the th- literally the three godliest men or three of the godliest men that I personally know. Two of them are pastors, one of them men, but they are the godliest men. They've studied the Bible countless hours and I could bring them on the stage and, and they all three disagree on how this is all gonna end. Are you with me? And they're godly, awesome men. And it's okay. But this passage that we're looking at, as I, even, as I even talk to you about this passage, it has, listen, this has way more to do with discipleship than it does the end of the world. Like we miss what Mark would have for us if we just go straight to end times here. There's, there's just more important things to look at here. This passage is about a loving king. He is literally days away from suffering the most brutal death a human could possibly suffer. And what does our king do in light of this suffering? I mean, he is right there. He's going to the cross. And what does he do? What he always does. He stops and he teaches because he loves his disciples. He said, listen, I got to tell you some things. Some things are coming. I love you. Here's what's coming. And listen, if we don't see the love of our king and just that he stops to explain some things, we are missing it. So what I want to do in chapter 13, so I just want to take five chunks of this chapter, okay? And, and, and it, uh, the, it, the way the chapter is broken up in the ESV Bible, that's sort of how I want to do it. I'm going to take five of, of the chunks out of this chapter, and we're just going to hit them. And we're going to stay pretty high level today, but I think the Lord would have something for us. So first is the destruction of the temple. This is verse one and two, right? His disciples and they're, they're walking like, look at these wonderful stones and wonderful buildings. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, here's the deal. They're all going to be, this thing's going to be come crashing down. Not one stone left upon another. And like, that's bizarre. And that was like kind of a big thing to say because here's our reality. And, and I'm, I, listen, I, I think I will die in the Ozarks, okay? But I also am a truth teller. We don't have beautiful buildings here, okay, with beautiful stones. Where are we going to go? Bass Pro, I love it. It's beautiful to me. But listen, we can't even compare. We have nothing to compare to the temple. And, and it was so significant to the culture at the time, specifically uh, Jewish people. It was massive. It was beautiful. Oh, on top of that, God lived there. Like that's, that, that makes it even more awesome. And Jesus is like, yep, we're going to tear this, this place is going to be gone. And, and here's the reality in 70 AD that happened. And you can read your history books on that. And I want you to think like, man, total devastation because buildings like the temple, they don't crumble and go away and, and just everything else around them be okay. Okay. So, so because we don't have beautiful buildings, like think about like uh, Westminster Abbey, right? It's, a beaut- it's beautiful, right? I would say that's beautiful, okay? And just to give you an idea of how dumb the guy is that's talking to you right now, in, in case most of you didn't know, but for the visitors, like I, I've said, I thought this was Westminster for, for 40 years, okay? I've been saying Westminster, and I thought Abbey was a lady. So uh, it's not. There was a show that I never watched an episode of that show, but that's where I am. Okay, if you're wondering, it's Westminster Abbey and it's this beautiful building. Now imagine just driving up and this place being gone. A few other buildings I just want to show you because we don't really have buildings that look like this. Okay, 
Um, I'm sure some of you know what this is. So this is the Palace of Versailles, and, and that's in France. And then, of course, you guys remember a few years ago, uh, there was a, did I say that right? Okay. And then there was, a few years ago, there was a, a, a cathedral, Notre Dame Cathedral, like, burn. You remember, this was like news. This was all over the news. And it was actually really sad. I felt myself getting sad. I'm like, man, this old, beautiful building, and it's on, it's on fire. Like, but that's not even total devastation, as, bru- as bad as that is. So I want you to think like, man, now imagine that thing all the way gone and all those other buildings like just on fire, crumbled. See, Jesus, see, Jesus knows, we've talked, about, we've talked about this, he knows that the temple is about to become insignificant in just a matter of days because of the new covenant. But he further knows what's going to happen in a matter of years, roughly 40 years from the time he's having this conversation with his disciples. And that destruction happened. The disciples didn't quite understand what he was saying. We can understand this because we have, we have history. And th- listen, the temple was destroyed. So Jesus points to this future event and it happened. That's, let, let, let's just see a theme develop there. When, listen, God says something, it happens. That pattern remains true all throughout Scripture, the, destru- the destruction of the temple. But then he goes in, and the disciples hear this. They didn't understand this. So Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they ask him, tell us, when will all these, these things be? And what will the sign, signs be when all these things are about to be accomplished? That's a great question because they didn't know. And Jesus then informs them. All the way from verse 3 all the way through 13. Like, listen, here is what you need to expect in the future. And here is how you ought to live. Do you see the love of Jesus? Like, he's informing his guys. Like, here's what's coming. Here's how you should live. It's like, don't be surprised by this. And I love you and I got to tell you this. So, so he tells them. And what we do is we see a theme now start develop, to develop in chapter 13. Verse 5, I'll show you. It says, see that. Now that word, that, that thing causes us, uh, that, that, that's a, here's what that means. Watch out. Right, so so do, you see it on the surface, like, yeah, see that no one leads you astray. No, watch out so that no one leads you astray. Hill City, watch out. But, the, but that, that's not where he stops. So, he, so on down in verse 9, he says, but be on guard. Same theme there, be on guard. Then you go to verse 23, he says again, but be on guard. He says it there, now in verse 33, he says, be on guard, keep awake. Stay awake again at the end of verse 34, verse 35, therefore stay awake, verse 37. And then what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Here's the theme. Listen, when God repeats something, we should pay attention. And that's what God is telling us to do. Hey, pay attention. I've, I've shifted some of my parenting over the last two to three years. I used to, I just found myself telling my kids, hey, be careful, be careful, be careful. I'm like, what the heck? I'm not trying to raise sissies here. I don't want, I don't want them to be careful. So I switched it to this. Hey, pay attention. Pay attention. I don't want them to be careful. I want them to pay attention. And God is here telling us, pay attention. Stay awake. Well, what are we supposed to pay attention to? Well, he gives us two things that I'm going to present to you here just through verse uh, 3 through 13. One is false teachers. 
And the second one is current events and, and what we're not supposed to do based off of current events. So let's jump in to the false teacher thing. Listen to me, these, this has never stopped. False teachers are devastating. They devastate communities. They devastate a culture. Deception is so powerful. And I, listen, have you ever thought about this? Why is it? Why do these guys keep showing up and just people keep buying it? I mean, listen, it hasn't stopped. And what's crazy is so many of them, if you go back in history, when they very first started like teaching, it's like, man, that's, that dude's solid. Like he's teaching the truth. It's amazing. And then something happens along the way. Now, some of them just come right out of the gate and they're psychotic and people buy it, right? But, that, but, but we got to stay awake for both. The, the dudes that usually come out, out of the gate and are like, are weirdo, usually like a big groups of people die at the end. But it happens. It's not far-fetched. We're supposed to stay awake. False teachers. So again, why? Why does, it, why does it keep working? You would think we would look in history and be like, okay, this, this has got to, this, why? Well, you might think, well, they're great leaders. They lead so effectively. Okay, maybe, but it's not their leadership. And I would present to us today the reason false teachers will always come and they'll always have success is not because of their great leadership, but it's because of our hearts, our own hearts. If there's anything our hearts cry out more than anything, it's this, lie to me, lie to me, please lie to me. So we have to stay awake. See, the Bible tells us this in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Guess what? When they're not enduring sound teaching, false teachers come in. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So listen, it doesn't say false teachers will come in with their great leadership. They, they deceive and they capture. No, no, no. This is a huge sentence right here. They will accumulate for themselves. See that? Do you see that? Lie to me. Lie to me. Because it feels good. Jesus says, Stay awake. Now, it's not just that. See, culture plays into this too. Our culture plays into this. Here's what happens in culture. It's kind of like when you're in a grocery store, right? Which I know not a lot of you do grocery store stuff anymore because you can just order it and it comes to your, your, your porch, okay? But you go to a grocery store and you're looking and, and grocery sto there's grocery store music. You guys know what I'm talking about? Grocery store music. Usually it's like, it's like a jazzy sound and it's like soft and nice. And you're just, and you're just looking, right? And the baked bean aisle and you want, you, you're just kind of lost looking and the jazz kicks in and you, and you start to hear it. Can you go with me to a grocery store? And you're just... Okay, listen, how many of you knew that song, right? Probably started singing it a little bit. Listen, 
And that's not, even, that's not even Alicia Keys, that's not even from her album. That's just a jazz version. And you're, you're hearing it. And before you know it, you're singing it. Now, now why am I bringing that up? Listen, that's what culture does to us. Except for they don't do it with songs and with jazz. They do it with worldviews. Like worldviews are all, they're just playing all the time, all around us. And here's what happens, Hill City, the church, God's kids. You know what you start doing? You, st- you, start, you start adopting the same worldviews without even knowing it. And you're singing the words. I've heard Christians say this. I'm telling you, you guys know I've said this before. I'm just going to keep saying it forever. It's the dumbest sentence I've ever heard. But here's an example. Love is love. That's, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But people think it's so intelligent. A chair's a chair. Oh. But like that's a worldview that we adopt and it sounds good. And actually what happens is actually the culture, they'll even tell you when you adopt their worldview how much more sophisticated and loving that you are. But the reality is Church Hill City is it's not sophisticated and loving. The reality is you, and, and, and you might be letting your guard down. If you start to sing the same chorus of worldview that the world is singing, you have probably let your guard down. Beware of false teachers. Pay attention. Be on guard. Okay, what about current events? Verse 7 and 8, Jesus, oh my goodness, can you underline this in your Bible? And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pain. So why? Why do we do literally just the opposite of what the Bible says? Every time there's some crazy current event, oh, (laughs) we're so alarmed. The Bible is like, don't do that. And and what, what we have to understand is Jesus like, listen, this is how the world is going to be until Jesus comes and makes all things new. We have to understand basically never. There has never not been a war going on on this planet somewhere for thousands of years. Why? Because of sin. And one day Jesus is going to come and sin will be no more. What we have to understand is this truth that we as Christians, we were delivered from the penalty of sin. We were delivered from the power of sin, but we've not yet been delivered from the presence of sin. But one day we will be. But until then, Jesus is like, don't be alarmed at all the junk that's going to be going on all around. Don't be alarmed. Be on guard. Listen, Jesus, here's, he starts talking to him. Hey, you guys are going to, all this junk's going to happen. You're going to be given over uh, to governors and authorities and Listen, it's, it's, it's just junk. And listen, because why? Because people are always going to oppose the gospel. It is offensive. It, it is the greatest news you could ever hear in your life. But listen, people hate it. And listen, we got to teach our kids this. We got to teach our kids. Listen, following Jesus is not dude perfect videos. 
Like we need to tell them that. Listen, you're going to be the weirdo at school. If you don't prepare them, they're going to come home thinking, well, what, what is this? But if you tell them, listen, the people don't want Jesus. You following Jesus, you living your life a certain way. Like, listen, this is not, they're, they're going to hate this. The world hates the, all that Jesus is about. So guess what? They're going to hate, if you are about what Jesus is about, they're going to hate you. Allegiance to Jesus, it's ridiculous in this world. Your life following Jesus, it will not be celebrated in this world. People love darkness rather than light. But why? Why is all this going to happen? Why is it that, that, that the disciples are going to just experience all this junk? So they can bear witness. So that they can bear witness. Listen. It hasn't changed for us. The place you work, when you don't participate in these things, when you don't celebrate these things, and you're going to be ridiculed for it, why? Why will that happen? So that you can bear witness. Stay awake. And, and listen, you can read right here verses 9 all the way through 13, and you just go straight over to the book of Acts and be like, oh, dang, everything Jesus said that would happen, happened. Because that's how it works. When God says something, it happens. So this is a future event, literally, for the disciples. And you know what? You can go read how this happened. Now, you get to the next chunk. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where you ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now you can read this passage. This goes all the way to verse 23. This abomination of desolation. I'm sure we've done some reading here. Is Jesus alluding to a past event? Yes. He's alluding to a past event. Is Jesus alluding to a future event? Yes. He's alluding to a future event. You can go read about the, the past event. It's mentioned in the Bible, Daniel chapter 9. This happened in 167 BC, just a, just a, just a brief history lesson. 40,000 Jews were killed in 167 BC. They burned the Torah scrolls. They rededicated the temple to Zeus, sacrificing pigs, pigs. Okay, keep in mind uh, how, how the Jewish people feel about pigs. They sacrificed pigs on a pagan altar. And Jesus is like pointing them to that saying, now there's another fulfillment coming. But here the council isn't, hey, stay around and bear witness. That's not what he tells them. When this happens, he says, run. Run as fast as you can. Get away. Flee to the mountains. This is going to be a mess. Forty years from this conversation, this happened. 70 AD, Rome, a guy named Titus, siege of Jerusalem. You can read about it. It says this, they crucified so many Jews that they ran out of wood for crosses. There was famine, there was disease, there was cannibalism. Like just imagine total devastation. This happened in 70 AD. Now listen, this is, this is fascinating. This, this just almost brought me to tears. Eusebius is the first great historian of the church. He says that when Romans fell upon Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem left the city and, they, and, and many of them moved to a town called Pella. So I just want you to imagine this. 
all this devastation. Jesus had warned them. These people obeyed their king. They ran. Now imagine sitting around going, hey, you guys got out. What's happening? And they say, yeah, so Jesus, Jesus told us about this. He told us when this happened, like that we should get out of there. And they go, who? Jesus. Who's Jesus? Oh, sit down. I'm about to tell you the greatest news that you've ever heard in your life. You see what I'm saying here? So like 70 AD, total devastation, but Christians now went, you know what they get to share? What Jesus told them, that they obeyed. And then they get to tell people who Jesus is. And I promise you, many came to faith in Jesus because of what happened in 70 AD. The next section, the coming of the Son of Man. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So just imagine, Jesus is like, hey, this temple is going to crumble. Just imagine, abomination of desolation. Just imagine, you are going to go and you're going to be captured and you're going to be in prison, all this junk. And what does Jesus do? He gives them hope. This is hope filled right here. And and you have to understand, there's a question that was proposed early in Mark's gospel, right? Here it is. Who then is this? Who is this? And Jesus, as he's explaining this portion about the coming of the Son of Man, he actually takes uh, some, some verses, some imagery out of the Old Testament, out of Daniel chapter 7. Because remember, this is Jesus' Bible. So he's using this language that would have, would have positively, not negatively, but positively provoked or prompted hope in his disciples. They had learned about this and they had anticipated it. And this would have put them in awe because Jesus is saying all that stuff you read about, I'm him. And it's yet another layer of of Jesus telling his disciples who he is. It's him. It's the one that was written about all throughout the Old Testament. It's him. And Jesus is letting know, yes, it's me. But I want us to see something. When all this happens, this isn't something that we should be afraid of. He will then send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, from the ends of heaven. This shows us where Jesus' attention will be focused in the end. And it's going to be set upon his kids. And he's going to be gathering us. And all the junk all around us is going to be over. That's exciting. I visited a hospital this week. A young 24-year-old had had a motorcycle wreck. And he's in ICU, and his dad's just standing over him, just shattered, trying to, hoping his boy makes it. And if he does make it, hope. And, I, and I, was, I was able to go visit and pray with him. And all that's going to be over one day. There's not going to be a need for a hospital. 
See, come with me. Can, can we just be hope-filled people for a minute? No, listen. There's coming a day and there's no, where there's no more pain of infertility. There's coming a day where we don't, we don't get phone calls about our parents having cancer. And, man, how are we going to navigate this? It's going to end. There's coming a day where it's like those people that are supposed to love you and be for you the most. And in this life, man, they've betrayed you or they're not. They're just distant from you. There's coming a day you won't feel that anymore. And listen, our king is going to come gather us. And there are not going to be any more tears. He's going to wipe every tear from every eye. This is a hope-filled verse. Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. Stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. And what I say to you, I say to you all, stay awake. Listen, we cannot read Mark chapter 13 and think that it is some call to be obsessed with eschatology. Listen, do I think we need to try to grasp and study and understand how it's all going to end? I think that's a good thing. But, man, we have to do it with humility. That's, that's the problem is most people don't approach this with humility. But, listen, Mark 13, that is not what God would have for us. Mark Strauss says the church's job is to proclaim the gospel, not to speculate about the end of the world. That's what we want to do. This portion of scripture, it's speaking to a way that we ought to live. Hill City, we have lives to live. We need to live them with Jesus in mind. The fact that we will see Jesus again. Let that be on our mind and let it determine how we live our lives. But here's what happens. Some people become so uh, spiritual, at least they think spiritual, right? And what they do is they neglect this life to the point where they're actually unfaithful in this life. Because they're so worried about the end. We can't do that. We're not going to be so worried and so fear-filled about the afterlife and how this is all going to end that we don't live this life. 2 Timothy chapter 1 tells us, God gave us a, he, for God gave us a spirit not of fear. So why would we be scared on how it ends? That's not the spirit God gave us. He gave us one of power and of love and of self-control. Let's keep that in mind. This portion of scripture is about being faithful in this life because we are so confident in what's going to happen at the end and in the next. So, so here's the deal. Are you Are you confident? Because some of you may not be. And I got really, really good news. You can walk out of here today as confident as you've ever been in your life about what's going to happen. You can be confident. Brad, I'm hearing you and it's like, you don't sound like you know too much about this eschatology thing. I was wanting a little bit more. Well, if you're visiting, welcome to Hill City quite common here's what I do know 
I mean 100%. Like not 99, 100%. We will see Jesus again. You will and I will. But how? I don't know. When? I don't know. I don't think Kirk Cameron has it right. He might. Right? I, I don't think that's how it's going to go. If you're one like, where do you stand? I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not there, but some of you might. But here's what's more important. Be watchful. Stay awake. See, I had a bunch of examples. I was going to hit every demographic, right? I was going to go to middle school, high school, college. I was going to go to young professionals. I was going to marry. I was going to lay to grandparents, right? Specific examples. But I thought, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have to do that. Okay, Hill City, listen. Our screens are putting us to sleep. Now, each demographic's looking at different things, but screens are putting us to sleep. And that's, that's not it. Listen, our culture has surrounded us with things that are putting us to sleep. Stay awake. Be on guard. If you're serving communion, I would like you to go take your positions. Our world is asleep. Actually, the Bible says they're dead. Those who aren't following Jesus, which is actually asleep, seems to be used as a word for dead in the Bible. But the church must stay awake. Well, Brad, what is staying awake? Well, one example is if we're awake, we would be giving the greatest news to people that they will ever hear in their lives. We need to know that the church is the hope of the world. We need to know that the gates of hell will never prevail against her. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder to follow Jesus in this world. But we need to know we win in the end. That is a fact. And we win because of what's coming next in the gospel of Mark. See, the time for talk, the time for talk has ended. And now it's time to suffer. It's time to drink from the cup. This is where our king is going. Hill City, we have the greatest news anyone could ever hear in their life. And we need to go tell people that Jesus loves them. We need to go tell people that Jesus died for them. We need to go tell people that Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended. We need to go tell people, listen, it is only but through Jesus that we will ever have purpose and significance that we all long for. And we need to go tell people that life is only found in Jesus because he's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. Then one day we need to tell people we are going to see our king again and he's going to take all the suffering away, all the pain away. He's going to make it stop. And here we go. I can't Wait. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. But meanwhile, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's go, Hill City. And God, we await eagerly for the day that we will see Jesus again. 
thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.